0: Welcome to Work and the Future, a podcast about tomorrow, with your host, Linda Nazareth.
1: Well, hello. Thank you for joining us today. Today, we're going to talk about an industry where the lights have effectively been turned off, and that is travel. Now, travel is hugely important to the world economy, contributes about $8.8 trillion. That is according to the World Travel and Tourism Council. 319 million people work in the industry. It's about 10% of the total economy of the world. So we have shut that down. It will come back at some point, but it will look different. So what does that mean? Well, to talk about that today, I'm joined by a couple of guests with different and interesting viewpoints. The first is Will Sakam. He is president of a company called Connect Travel, that is a B2B events marketing company. Also, joined by Shashank Nagam. He is the president of a company called Simplifying. They're a marketing consulting company for the airline industry. He also wrote a book called Soar on the subject. And we're going to talk to them about where they see things coming back as well. What will the role of the people in the industry be, Um, particularly Shashank. We talked about flight attendants, and when things started up in the airline sector, flight attendants were nurses. And now they have a health role again. So that's interesting. And Will had some really interesting thoughts too about events and how they might come back and how they might be staffed, and how we will think about them. But you know, they're both optimistic about some kind of resurgence for the sector. So that's great news. And they both have some really cool thoughts. So stay with us to hear them. With the pandemic taking hold over the past weeks, the travel industry is one of the ones that has been worst hit. Now, that's affecting jobs in the short term. Perhaps it will cause long-term restructuring. Lots of issues here. To talk more about that, I'm joined by Will Saccum. He's the president of Connect Travel. They're a business-to-business event company for the travel industry. Hi, Will.
0: Good morning, Linda.
1: Well, thank you so much for joining us. You are in Florida this morning.
0: I am. It's a beautiful day in Tallahassee, Florida.
1: Got to appreciate those things because some things are not so beautiful. Uh, I had the pleasure of speaking to one of your conferences at the end of February, February 21st, I think. It seems like a lifetime ago in terms of what we were talking about. Now, at the time, I was talking about the economy, the outlook, and I think we called the pandemic sort of a a possibility of a negative or a wild card. Turned out to be our worst case, did it not?
0: It is, uh, it is fascinating what has happened uh, globally, and, and I think this is a, an unprecedented time where uh, it's not just a, a crisis at a local level or a crisis in one country, it's, uh, it's global. And it's, as a result, it's just very, very different. And um, as an industry and as, as humans, uh, we just have to recognize that this, this crisis is not like the others and how we react to it uh, has got to be different than what we've done in the past.
1: Well, let's just go back a little bit before this hit. What were the issues then? Travel was having a pretty good stretch. If anything, I was hearing it was hard to find people to work in it.
0: The travel industry was on a 10-year you know, uh, uh, run, amazing run, absolute records, year over year, quarter over quarter, Um no matter the destination, internationally, uh, big destinations, small destinations, events, everything was year-over-year year records, and and as a result, I think all of our businesses, uh, from destination marketing organizations to industry associations to individual, you know, hotels, attractions, resorts, were really all optimized for kind of that record-setting pace, and uh, now we're all going to have to re reimagine, re envision. What those organizations look like in this new normal?
1: Because it's look, like, it's like the lights got shut down, right? It's going from full blast to nothing going on right now,
0: and and, and the sales funnel is at zero, uh, you know, for everybody. So it's going to be a, you know, a. It was a hard stop. Everybody stopped. There's nothing, nothing happening. Everything, everything is going to uh, have to jumpstart it. At, at probably, you know, well, certainly very similar timeframes. And so, h- how the industry responds is going to be critical to um, how successful they are coming out of this crisis. And you know, my my again, my hope is that uh, people don't try to return to normal and just pick up what they were going to do. Uh, and what their plans were uh, because they're going to be operating in a very, very different uh, environment.
1: Well, let's talk about the phases of that because we're not going to have a vaccine in a few weeks or in a few months. I hope we are. But there's probably going to be a couple of phases of that where we open up, some things are allowed to happen, and later on we'll come back, hopefully full blast. In the transition period, how do you think travel will react?
0: Uh, Travel is going to... um, be slow for a while. I mean, obviously, we've seen uh, we heard from Arne Sorensen saying that the uh, this pandemic is you know, worse than 9-11 and the great economic crisis combined. Um, you know, the, the, it, we came to a dead stop. Uh, all the surveys that are out there and industry, industry groups are doing a great job monitoring c- consumer sentiment. And there is certainly a strong desire to get back out and travel Uh, albeit with some caution. I'm very fortunate to see that the U.S. Travel Association has issued some general industry guidelines uh, this week, uh, as did IAPA, which is the International Association of Attractions, uh, issued a really compelling set of guidelines. So the industry is being very thoughtful and looking at what it is going to look like when we come back. And then throughout the globe, we're seeing interesting little kind of tidbits or snapshots of what the new normal in travel is going to look like. So generally speaking, you're going to expect that uh, people are going to be antsy to get out and they're going to start to travel, um, most likely initially to see friends and family or r- road road trips, lots of conversations about the return of the great American road trip uh, is just kind of starting to get into it. Um, and then And then gradually people will start to to travel for business, and then international travel will will uh, come on board after that. I had a conversation with Roger Dow, the president and CEO of U.S. Travel, and he expects the international travel to kind of rebound in reverse order of uh, of where the stoppages came. So first we'll see Canada and Mexico, uh, then UK and Europe, uh, and then uh, the last kind of international travel coming back would be from you know China.
1: You said you've been seeing interesting tidbits from around the world. Can you give us some examples of that?
0: Absolutely. We're seeing uh, in Abu Dhabi, in order to get on a a train or mass transit, you go through a tunnel that sprays some tiny disinfectant on you. Uh, Etihad Airlines has a a new temperature check before you are allowed to get on a plane. So just like in security, uh, as you're going through, if you've got a temperature, then you're diverted off to a second uh, tier to get uh, to get checked. Uh, I just read this morning that in Austria, there's an, you can now get a uh, COVID test, and if you print if you come out negative, then uh, you don't have to uh, do the two week quarantine. But it comes at a price; you've got to pay two hundred dollars to get uh, to get uh, the test and and through quarantine. So you're starting to see a lot of really innovative technologies uh, and, and applications of technologies that are going to enhance uh, kind of the return of travel. Uh, and that's going to be, again, it'd be, be really interesting to watch. The most interesting thing, I think, Linda, is that um, whatever protocols kind of become adopted will be with us for the next 20 years. If you, if you think about it, uh, Richard Reed tried to blow up a plane 19 years ago. And today, most travelers are still taking off their shoes before they go through uh, That is true. security. So the nature of bureaucracy is whatever comes out of this, it's going to be with us for for years and years and years.
1: So we should be thoughtful about what we do. Do you have any suggestions as to what industry players should be doing now to get ready for the next thing?
0: Well, I think it's really exploring what what the uh, what the opportunities are, and, and really paying attention. There's going to be a, a, a tremendous amount of innovation um, in terms of, you know, t- tools and technologies that allow us to check temperatures. Quick tests are going to be a part of our life moving forward. And I think we just have to to recognize that. Um, I think there's an opportunity for destination marketing companies and it, and chambers of commerce to really become kind of centralized clearing houses of information in a community. Uh, one of the most important things that um, conversations that I've had recently is that, you know, in the United States, I can drive from Tallahassee, Florida to Los Angeles, California. And I know that I'm always gonna be on, on the right side of the road. I'm going to stop at red lights and go at green lights. I, I We have this understanding of what um, what the rules of the road are. And we want to make sure that from a Federal level, whatever it is, becomes the same. Uh, one of my biggest concerns is that uh, we have different rules city by city, state by state. So we won't we won't know what what we're doing um, and what is right in each in- individual area, and that would potentially have significant negative impact on travel. So we want to have kind of universal protocols of what is what is acceptable.
1: Interesting times. Let's talk a little bit about the labor needs of the industry, because before this happened, it was hard to find good people in any industry, travel included. What do you see happening going forward? Do you think it'll still be the same skills you're looking for, same kinds of people, or will things change up?
0: Well, I think everything everything does change. Again, it's a rapid it up, and it's heartbreaking to see all the, the layoffs and furloughs and job losses that have happened as a result of the decrease in travel. And we think about it, Um, The hospitality industry is really the industry that has been hit the hardest. Um, It's a dead stop in travel. And the implications of that just show you how important the travel industry is, not only to our communities, but to our local economies and the state economies and the federal economy. It's a massive employer and certainly one of the ones that has been the hardest hurt. Um, we're also on, on the flip side of that, we're seeing some, you know, some of the people that kind of are in that space becoming, you know, the heroes then, and, and the people that were, um, oftentimes looked at as, um, you know, the, the low wage jobs, those front, you know, the frontline workers are kind of the, the heroes, uh, that are, that are out in front of us every day. So I think there's going to be more value on, uh, training and protection, um, and of frontline workers across every industry, uh, I think that you know the recognition of you know the health and well-being of frontline workers is going to be recognized across the travel industry and the, and um, all industries really. Uh, so
1: one that, thing that, sorry, go ahead.
0: No, that's, so. I think that's a good thing, um, but the the question is how will how will the travel industry ramp up? It, it will it will come back differently. Linda, because, again, everything was optimized for kind of full tilt go. And now we're not going to be in that situation. It's how how we ramp up slowly. I think uh, management is going to be getting smarter and smarter about how, how they manage employees and what kind of what is necessary and, um, you know, trying to rebuild cash flow. Um, and. Interesting read, reading this morning, again, about the Attractions Association and their suggestions for attractions opening up in, in light of a global pandemic is to have, like, two clear um, shifts so that, that your shifts work together and don't overlap. So it could mean an opportunity for more people, maybe not as many hours, but... Um, which may be the first kind of the first ramp up into the um, into the hiring process, uh, but the idea being that you want your w- one set of coworkers. If somebody were to get exposed and get sick, you could kind of isolate them and bring in a, an entire new group.
1: Interesting. Yeah, one of the things that interests me is automation, and will industries ramp up? Automation, robots, technology, because it keeps workers safer in the short term, and it does save money. Now I'm seeing yeah. that in lots of industries like groceries, obviously. What about travel?
0: Massive acceleration in uh, and in robotics. I think uh, just as you as you mentioned the um, the opportunity to go in and you know, do the. UV cleaning of rooms, you know, th- through a robot rather than the, the housekeeping. I think there's going to be a lot of that, um, a lot of touch, you know, no more contact on payment. We're going to do touchless payments. Uh, so there's going to be a, a lot of evolution of this. Again, reducing that interaction of person to person um, and person to machine, I think will be a, a significant change in us. Um, self-checkout. Is the, thing, is the thing of the future, right?
1: Yeah, definitely. So it'll be a different industry as we come out. You know, I want to ask you, since you're in the events business, Bill Gates has been clear this might be one of the things that comes back last. I mean, he's not the only voice on this, but when he looks at the different scenarios, he's saying, look, big groups of people can't come together for a long time. We can't make that safe. Do you agree with that? Or are there is there anything we can do to accelerate that
0: process (laughs) well no i don't agree with that um and i'll tell you a couple of the things that i'm i'm watching a couple couple businesses i think are going to be key is uh, disney uh and what what they do they've they've had crisis communication programs in place for uh just about everything i'm not sure if global pandemic was on there but i know that they're some of the smartest crisis communication planners and and they will take a big lead the nfl will take a big lead um our company is uh fully committed to uh, helping lead the industry forward. We've got our first major uh, post-COVID event in August in New Orleans, um, but it will feel different. Um, there's no question about it. We're Our number one priority is keeping people healthy and more importantly, uh, making p- sure that our guests are confident and comfortable that we're doing everything we can. So we'll have temperature checks, cloth masks will be, you know, will be required. We're going to provide, you know, the KN95 masks for everybody there. Um, we'll have disinfectant foggers on the exhibit hall. Um, we're putting up plexiglass shields in between appointment tables. So, you know, you'll have the ability uh, to ha- have that safe space, much like you're seeing in, uh, in retail right now. Um, our major keynote events and big things will we'll shift from indoor, you know, event to kind of outdoor spaces, which allows us to, you know, we, we did see in the um, president's uh, press conference last week that, you know, light UV rays and heat and humidity have significant impacts on slowing. So outdoor events, I think, uh, will be really, really important. Um, and then just how you set up, uh, how you set up spaces, uh, how you, how you do F, you know, food and beverage. I don't think we're going to be seeing a, at an event or, you know, on a cruise line, you know, I think the days of the the self-serve buffets are probably going to be gone. Um, how you, how you serve, you know, coffee in the big coffee pots will probably be replaced, you know, by more of a coffee shop where we're, you know, we're handing that out. I think it's interesting in our conversations about, uh, the trade-offs uh we've spent years and years in the events industry really really working to be green um and and you know now we're going to have you know thousands and thousands of uh gloves uh, available masks available no longer we'll be serving cups you know coffee and cop you know and let people do it on their own so it's it's going to have some trade-offs but the events themselves i think will be very different um and I do think that uh, again, outdoor spaces will 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 be used more frequently. Uh, so, our we're fully committed to our August events. I've got a been just published there's kind of the safe and clean plan of how we're going to do that. Think you know, thinking other things like we we're seeing this too in, uh, in in grocery stores. So in aisles and exhibits, you're going to be one way, uh, wider spread aisles, table booths spread further apart, uh, really to allow that opportunity to have social distancing. So a lot of things will be different, but I do think events will come back.
1: Well, we look forward to those events coming back, and we look forward to travel coming back as well. Will, thank you so much for joining us.
0: Uh, Lena, thank you so much. Appreciate being, being involved.
1: Like everything else, the airline industry is in turmoil now. The pandemic has basically ground things to a halt. And when things get back going at full strength again, it may look like a completely different industry. To talk about all that, I'm joined today by Shashank Nagam. He is CEO of Simplifying, and he's also the author of Soar, a book on airline marketing. Hi, thanks for joining us today.
2: Thank you, Linda, for having me on. It's a pleasure to be speaking once again.
1: Well, not the most pleasurable times, though. Let's talk about how bad this is for airlines.
2: Yeah, it's as bad an industry as you can be in right now. Aviation is not a good place to be in. Um, And in fact, I personally traveled uh, across uh, four international airports just last week on a repatriation flight back to Canada from India where I was stuck in a lockdown and experienced firsthand a lot of the measures being taken by airlines and airports, which, yes, on one hand, inspires some confidence that airlines are doing something to keep sanitation a priority. Uh, but at the other hand, does not encourage uh, travelers to get back on immediately and perhaps you know, look at options like driving and working from home.
1: That is just something you can't plan for very well. If you're an airline, you maybe had a plan that talked about a terrorist attack, maybe talked about, you know, shutdowns for various safety reasons. I don't think anybody was thinking about a shutdown that would be long-term and completely change the industry.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I don't think most people had predicted a long-term shutdown. Having said that, uh, believe it or not, Toronto Pearson Airport ran a pandemic preparation exercise just weeks before the crisis erupted in Canada. And their CEO was on video talking about it. So as much as it's a black swan, airlines, airports do have pandemics in their rulebook, just that no one has had expected it to have such a wide-ranging impact. And this is, to be honest, just the beginning. The way this is going to impact travel uh, for us. It's not going to be a new normal. It will be a very different way to travel in the future.
1: You know, you posted some pictures of flight attendants and the uniforms they're wearing. Maybe we can post some of those in the show notes, but those are crazy. They look like spacesuits or hazmat suits, not what we're used to seeing. And does that change their role? I mean, has their role completely changed?
2: Well, uh, I think their role changed dramatically after nine eleven where safety became became paramount, and their role will change once again where health becomes paramount health of not just the passengers but their own health as well. but interestingly, this is going back a full circle because first flight attendants just over just under a hundred years ago were nurses so you know we're we're going back and bringing health to the forefront.
1: Well, that's an interesting point. And after the war, even, there was very, very strict rules as to what you wanted in a flight attendant. The role, as you say, has changed over the years.
2: Definitely. And um, not just that of the flight attendant, you know, every single touchpoint across the airport and in the cabin is going to be different. For example, uh, we foresee in a report we have just published called The Rise of Sanitized Travel, we foresee a new role being created uh on long-haul flights especially, of that of an in-flight janitor whose sole role is to make sure that high-touch areas like lavatory door handles and other areas are clean regularly. Um, and just having this person will inspire confidence in many people to fly again.
1: That is a real shift because I've gotten on planes and when I look at the little pocket in front of me, somebody's snack hasn't been cleaned off. So we're going to yeah. clean things up a lot.
2: Yes, I think uh, it would not be wrong to say that some airlines were a little lax in pursuit of quick 30-minute turnarounds in terms when it came to sanitation and cleanliness, but that's uh, going to change. And you know what? It's going to have an impact on business models in the industry because uh, let's be honest, the low-cost airlines are based on this 30 to 40-minute turnaround time, which will not be possible if you're doing a deep clean every single time the airplane lands.
1: So how is this going to work in terms of pricing? This is not the time to put in big price hikes. However, how are you going to run this without doing that?
2: Yeah, um, once again, parallels with 9-11. Just like after 9-11, people did not want to board a flight with weapons on board, now they will not want to board a flight with viruses on board. And to handle this, we, we have advocated the creation of the THA, a Transport Health Authority, and Going back once again to 2001, when the TSA was created two months after 9-11, their budget was $1.2 billion in the first year after nine eleven, and $4.8 billion in two years after. So it's growth of 5x. Uh, this was government putting in the money for scanners and ensuring security. But at the same time, passengers were footing a security tax and a security charge. Um, let's be clear. At this point, airlines are not the ones with the money. What this means is the bill is going to be split between governments, regulators, and passengers to a certain extent, which may drive up, uh, especially in the short term, some prices. But over the long term, what we are going to see is some critical measures uh, which will ensure sanitation standards will stay, whereas others will only uh, be erected if there is a crisis situation in terms of uh, spread of a virus.
1: It's interesting, you talk about that onboard janitor. Is that going to be a human being? Or are we going to talk about robots being there? Because <laughs> you know, robots can't get sick.
2: Yeah, well, you'll be surprised. But currently, Emirates already has an in-flight janitor on all its A380 flights to clean the showers in the first class suites. It's just that not many of us have flown on those suites yet. Um, we foresee on long haul flights, it will initially be a person, but... Uh, I was in India recently and at a pilgrim, uh, at a temple, uh, I saw that there were self-cleaning washrooms. We expect some of these technologies to make it up in the air. So there's a little green light that's going to light up once the lab has been cleaned and you can enter and come back out without touching anything uh, inside the toilet and come back out and wait for it to be cleaned. So automation is surely the way to go in the short to medium term, uh, sorry, in medium to long term, but in the short term, you may see an in-flight janitor on long flights.
1: Now, this is interesting times. In the next few months, how do you think this is all going to come together? How long before we see volumes coming to anything looking like normal?
2: I'm not sure if the volumes, especially for air travel, are going to pick up to pre-COVID levels for the next 18 to 24 months. What we will have is people who have essential travel to do, from doctors to even construction workers who need to be in, uh, who need to be somewhere, who will start traveling. Uh, anyone who was doing discretionary travel, like conferences or just going for a beach holiday, might want to wait. Uh, anyone with kids, uh, for example, I travel with two little toddlers, uh, and the amount of vigilance that was required uh, trying to get my little daughters to keep their masks on for twenty hours. It's not something I want to do right away. So we're going to see two two splits here.
1: That's interesting. So what kind of industry are we going to have at the end of this? If you go back 20 years, even 30 years, travel was a luxury. And it wasn't something you took lightly. You just Now we just you know grab a plane, go for a weekend. It's not that expensive in a lot of cases. Are we going to come full circle to where we were?
2: <laughs> I'm not sure if you're going to. Uh, come a full circle uh, because of a few things. When travel is more affordable and it's you know perforated across uh, the world, and the middle class is rising, even despite a hit, I'm not sure if it'll go a full circle. But what we will get is uh, you know pockets where travel resumes. For example, there is um, talks of a travel bubble between Australia and New Zealand being created. Both uh, New Zealand is now COVID-free and Australia is closed. To COVID-free. And once they're both COVID-free, there can be a bubble in which travel can go on as normal. We can expect uh, such bubbles to be created, let's say, between New Zealand and British Columbia in Canada, which now is becoming very close to getting COVID-free, where travel can be unrestricted, no quarantine needed, no vaccinations needed, for example, between these places, whereas other places uh, might struggle to build back traffic.
1: Interesting. So, for the airlines, are there any interesting strategies you see taking shape right now? Bubbles, obviously, part of this, but what else are they doing?
2: Yeah, I think airlines have their task cut out in front of them. Uh, from you know, positioning cleanliness as a brand tenet to ensuring that processes and uh, procedures are updated to ensure sanitation from. You know, sanitagging bags, expect your checked in bag to be sanitagged where it passes through intense UV disinfection before it enters the baggage system to, um, you know, having disinfection tunnels uh, when you enter the airport that you have to walk through to make sure that there are no viruses coming inside. So there are so many changes that are going to come very similar to how it happened after 9-11. We're now used to a security theater. In the future, we may need to get used to a health theater, and airlines need to do three things to do this well. Firstly, they have to be consistent across all touch points, across all airports with the measures. Secondly, it's collaboration. They need to work with airports, governments, and the ecosystem to ensure sanitation standards remain high. And finally, it's communication. If you're an airline that's doing a lot of these measures without talking about it, guess what? No one's going to come fly you. Uh, a good example is Whiz Air in uh, Europe or Delta in the United States. They have been proactively showcasing how they're keeping their planes clean, how they're keeping their crews safe. And everyone is asking, hey, does Whiz fly here? Does Delta fly here? And that's becoming a brand tenet.
1: And going forward, do you think there will be a shakeout in the industry where some of the ones who are well positioned do particularly well and perhaps some of the others don't survive this?
2: Absolutely. We expect a major shakeup in the industry, which will go one of two ways. There will be the consolidation, where weaker players are bought up by stronger players. We will see that. And then on the other end of the spectrum, there will be nationalization of airlines as well. We've seen, for example, in the case of Alitalia uh, in Italy, which has been perennially loss-making, but they've just received uh, billions of euros in funding as Italy has nationalized the airline. So we will see two uh, parallel paths going, nationalized airlines, as well as large consolidated groups of airlines, because the big guys are buying the weaker guys.
1: And as we come through this, are we looking at lots less people working in this industry? Or are we going to see hiring in different areas?
2: I think we might see hiring in different areas. Aviation by design is a capital intensive and a human labor intensive um, business, so ultimately, you will need a baggage handler to put that bag on the on the belt until there is a touch free system and I think Covid nineteen is going to accelerate those processes, but in the short term, I don't foresee a dramatic reduction in in staffing levels as a proportion of of course uh, because there might be things like uh, you know people checking your temperature and temperature scanners to in-flight janitors that we spoke about, which are new roles about to be created. Just like after 9-11, there were flying air marshals. We might see in-flight janitors now.
1: And will we still see service on the planes? I mean, at this point, I believe a lot of things are halted.
2: right? Um, yes, I think we will st- still see service, but it will be changed. So on my flight, for example, between uh, Montreal and Vancouver domestically, we all were wearing masks. Uh, the flight attendants were... Either in masks or full-body suits, uh, covering themselves to protect themselves. Of course, we were given bottled water as opposed to water being poured in cups, and we were given snacks and food that was completely wrapped in plastic. Um, this is to ensure and you know give me the confidence that no one has touched my food before I'm eating it. So we will see uh, changes in the service. You might, if you're flying business class, you might get. Not just an eye mask, but a branded mask for you to put on, which is much more comfortable than the regular mask. And maybe a a Lysol wipe, which is co branded with the airline, uh, for example. So service will evolve across all touch points, but I don't see a dramatic reduction in service permanently.
1: So for the industry as a whole, things are going to change. As we come out of this, do you have a vision of what this will be like?
2: The vision is. um, as I said, there will be a rise of sanitized travel. There will be three S's that the airlines will be focusing on to attract customers and build confidence. The first S is safety. We are we are used to travel being safe and airlines need to ensure safety. The second is sanitation. It's what we're talking about. Uh, expect to see, when you sit down on your seat, uh, a safety and sanitation video as opposed to just a safety video. The likes of in New Zealand can be totally expected to do a haka dance routine uh, in which they're showing you how to wash your hands, for example. Sanitation will be a priority. And finally, because so many airlines around the world are benefiting from taxpayer bailouts, including in Canada and the US, uh, I believe the public will expect airlines to build sustainable business practices. And that is not just being sustainable in terms of saving the environment, but being better corporate citizens overall. So the three S's are safety, sanitation, and sustainable practices to regain the confidence of the flying public.
1: Well, look, if we start listening to the videos and the safety demonstrations, that will be a shift in itself. (laughs) Shashak, thank you for joining us today.
2: Thank you for having me on, Linda. It's always a pleasure to speak with you. Thank you.
1: Shashak Nagam is CEO of Simplify.
0: To learn more about Work and the Future, and to see show notes, go to the theworkandthefuturepodcast.com. You can also contact us at comments at The Work and the Future Podcast with Linda Nazareth is a Relentless Economics Production.